Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now, while you're turning there, I I must apologize in advance if this message seems a bit shorter or a bit uh, bit less bark than normal. Uh, One of the things, uh, my heart is still on the mend from my vaccine injury. Uh, One of the things you discover when your heart is hurt is that it is closely linked to your lungs. Uh, So I'm not yet back at full strength. I knew I was in trouble two weeks in. I had been laying on the bed every day, doing nothing else. And I heard my son Harrison say, girls, girls, daddy's not the boss anymore. (laughs) And I felt like one of those old lions on the Serengeti, just watching the young ones. So like Samson, I prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, give me the strength to double his chores, that he may know that the throne is not empty. But it was many months until, until I got my answer. Um, but uh, I, if I start to sort of run out of path, I may head on over and take a seat there, and I trust you'll forgive me for it. But it is good to be here, good to be walking, good to be talking, good to be able to feed myself. Uh, it's one of those things that you just take for granted. You don't know how wonderful it is to be able to pick up that spoon and put it in. Until you're laying in a bed with a lovely lady, saying, oh, look, dear, you've got a little bit on you. And she could have done, here comes the aeroplane, and I couldn't have stopped her. Uh, so the Lord has, has restored me, though. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your part in that. But what we're going to be looking at this morning uh, are the privileges Christians receive as the children of God. The privileges Christians receive as the children of God. Now, ever since I've been a parent... Uh, then, then when I read the scriptures, things relating to children jump out at me more. I read them as a child, but now as a parent, well, they, they really grab you. And one thing that you'll notice as you read through the scriptures is that the Lord uses the analogy of children and parents to describe our relationship to him. As Christians, we are the children, and as God, he is the parent, he is the father. And it happens over and over again. And I think it's an important analogy. It's certainly not a coincidence The Apostle Paul tells us that the godly marriage relationship, he said that was no coincidence, but it was actually a picture of something spiritual, namely the relationship between Christ and the church. God didn't invent marriage and then think, oh wow, this would make a really great example. I think I'll I'll tuck that one into the Bible. Uh, And in the same way, we find children to be an excellent and completely intentional analogy of spiritual realities, specifically the reality that as Christians we are born into privilege as the children of God. So let's read, we'll pray, and then I'll walk you through the analogy and we'll be finished. Reading from verse 14 in Romans chapter 8, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Let's pray. We give you thanks, our Lord and our God, for this good day where we can come into your house and gather, sing you praises, Lord, offer you prayers, uh, and then hear from your word. Speak to us, we ask, through your scriptures now, in Jesus' name. Amen. This plainly states here, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This plainly states that we as Christians are the children of God. And if we are the children of God, then we are in his family. And if we are in his family, then it stands to reason if you're in a family, you have a heritage coming just by being in that family. You are heirs and you get to receive the blessings that are common to all members of that family. But first, 
you must get in to the family. You must enter the family. Now, there are two major ways we know of whereby people enter a family, birth and adoption. Now, there is only one way to get into God's family, but God uses two, two examples, the examples of birth and adoption, uh, as examples of how you enter God's family. First, joining God's family is like an adoption in that you were initially in another family. You do not start out in the family of God. The Bible tells us that each person is born a sinner with a sin nature. This is why, as teachers, we teach your children many things, but we do not have to teach them how to sin. They got that naturally. They knew how to do it from birth because it is in their nature. We were all born into Satan's family. If you were here this morning and you are a Christian, then you understand that once you were in Satan's family, but then you got taken from that family when you were saved, and you were adopted into God's family. And Jesus explained it like this to the unsaved Jews once. He said, uh, and they really didn't like it when he told them, but he said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. But when you get saved through faith in Christ, you are removed from Satan's family, and you are adopted into God's family. However, you can't do this transformation without being fundamentally and radically changed in nature and substance. So that's why God doesn't just describe that process as an adoption, but it's like being born again, born again, becoming a new creature, whereby life is imparted to you and you start to take on the nature of God. Certainly you receive the Holy Spirit from Him and being born again into His family, people start to see His likeness. It says in the Bible, it says, and they were called Christians first at Antioch. We didn't cook up the term. People that weren't Christians noticed them and said, hey, these guys are like Christ. They could see the family resemblance in us uh, to Jesus. And they resemble Christ who is God because they were the sons of God. And now this is where I find the analogy to become particularly pertinent for us. It is important to note that in either adoption or birth, both are premeditated decisions by the parents. And your existence, your salvation, and your entrance into God's family was a premeditated decision by your heavenly Father. The Bible says this, it says, For whom he, God, did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. He said this to Jeremiah, he said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, I set thee apart for something. And what you need to understand this morning, Christian, is that God has entered you into his family with his eyes wide open as to what that was going to mean for him. I mean, before my firstborn Claire, uh, before she was born, I was aware that she was going to cost me a lot of money. Uh, I was aware that she was going to make a lot of noise that would disturb me. I was aware that as she grew up, she could hurt and humiliate me and my wife with the things that she says and the things that she does. And I knew that because I remembered what I had done to my own parents. And I was aware that she will sin and she will fail and I will need to discipline her. I was aware that she would take a lot of time and mental and emotional energy. Now, I was also aware there would be joys in having a child that cannot be had anywhere else. But the hard parts were not hidden from me or a surprise. Yet I went ahead with it all and I did not do it unwillingly. I did not begrudge it. And unlike God, I may have been somewhat naive about what I was getting into, but I signed up for all that before Claire ever got to have 
a say in the matter. And Christian, it is the same with you and God. Have you, have you failed God? Well, that didn't surprise him. He fully anticipated that. Have you disgraced God? Well, he knew that you would do such a thing. Have you required correction from God? Well, that's what God signed up for. Have you made God's family look bad? Well, he saw that coming long before you joined his family and long before he paid a great price to get you into his family. And now that as a Christian you've done those things, now that you have sinned, well, what do you think your heavenly father's plan is? Well, he has a plan because he saw it coming. And it's not, a, not like when you have an unsaved, ungodly father who gets blindsided by some surprise sin and he gets angry and he gives you a good flogging. Uh, God is looking at your long term. Repentance, correction, discipline, yes, but always with an eye on the end goal. For whom he, God, did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God is working in the long term to conform you to the image of Christ. And your inevitable sins and your inevitable failures will be used to that end. And that should be a great comfort to us all, brethren. Our sins, our failures, they are humiliating, they are often painful, but they cannot disqualify us from our family. And they are to be expected and then used by God to make us more like Jesus. And godly parents take the same approach with their children as they raise them in the Lord. It is unpleasant, but it is normal family life in the family of God. So do not let your own mind shipwreck you when you stumble and when you let God down. Don't quit when that happens. It's all part of the journey. It happens to every believer, and you are no exception to that rule. And if you stay in this church long enough, you're going to see it happen, either publicly or privately. All of us will, will fall, but then God will use that to conform us more to the image of Christ. He won't cover it over. He won't leave it hidden forever, but he will use it to change us to be more like Jesus. Do not be surprised when this happens. God is not. The second thing we see is that your status in God's family cannot be worked for or bought. You can't purchase it. All those privileges are simply dumped on you because of your birthright, before you've done anything. Who here secured their spot in their family through cash or their own efforts? I know I didn't. No one. It was given to you. You just showed up and you got it. Children lack the ability to pay for anything, least of all continued membership in a family. And in the same way, what did we all pay for our salvation? Well, nothing. Jesus paid it all. We just accepted that which God had purchased for us like helpless children. And once we did that, we got all the privileges that come with being a part of God's family, and we got it for nothing. And I was thinking about that shortly after Claire was born. Uh, at the hospital, before you get out of there, they give you a big, thick wad of paperwork to, to fill out. And I remember sitting down one afternoon and sort of grumbling, thinking, you know, this, this takes ages. Uh, and there was a lot of evidence that we needed. I needed to get a birth certificate and a Medicare card. And it just went on and on. And I was thinking, this is, this is a lot of fuss for something that happens every day, you know, humans being born. Uh, surely this could be a bit more automated. Uh, but then it occurred to me why that process is so laborious and tedious. Because Claire was born to Australian parents, then she is given Australian citizenship for free. Now, that citizenship may have come to her for free, but it is actually extremely valuable, extremely valuable. Hence all the paperwork to generate proof of her citizenship. Before she was a day old or had done anything other than scream and make a mess, she was entitled to everything that comes with Australian citizenship. 
If she had been born sick, then she would have received advanced medical care. If someone or some circumstance threatened her life, then men would have come and they would have risked their life to protect her as a fellow citizen. I remember we had a missionary at this church once, a man named Jeff O'Derry, who went to the country of Madagascar. While he was in the mountains in Madagascar, uh, he was involved in a horrific bus accident. Uh, and what happened there was the, the wreckage of the bus was pulled off to the side of the road. Uh, the, the, the bodies of the living and the dead were pulled out and laid out along the mountainside uh, because obviously it's quite distressing to run over those. Uh, and then everybody left and the cars kept going past because that is what happens in Madagascar. Uh, his problems were not their problems and so he sat by the roadside and he waited to die. Uh, and before he died, a pair of Frenchmen in a luxury four-wheel drive happened to be in that part of the mountains they saw him, they stopped, they put him in their four-wheel drive and they drove him to a hospital. And he survived. And that's just how it goes in that part of Madagascar. Either you've got family that can help you or you've got money to pay somebody else or else you die beside the road while others drive past. Yet here in Australia, I drove past an accident the other day and it was like a beat-up, dirty old four-wheel drive covered in rust and it had smashed into the side of the road. And there were three ambulances, there were two police cars and there was a fire truck all there to help them just because they're in Australia. And that's a privilege you get if you are in Australia. And if, all, if, my, if I was to die and my family was to die and no one wanted to take care, take, uh, care of my, my daughter, well, then someone would come and take care of her, all because she is part of Australia. And that is her birthright as an Australian citizen. And God has done the same thing for us as Christians. Before we do anything for him, we receive all the privileges for nothing. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, it says this, it says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We have a citizenship in God's kingdom and we are added to his household and all for nothing. For nothing. Again in Ephesians 1.3, we read this, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We are gifted with complete forgiveness and the righteousness of Christ immediately upon salvation, before we have done any work. We are gifted with a home in heaven for eternity. We are spared from an eternity in the lake of fire. We are gifted with the Holy Spirit residing inside us, guiding our thoughts, guiding our deeds. We are gifted with the ability to resist sin and to choose righteousness. And the list just goes on and on. And anything we don't immediately receive, we get a promise that we will receive it one day. And the guarantee of reception, we will not face the tribulation. We will receive manifold blessings in this life. Jesus said it this way, he said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. Brethren, time fails me to cover it all, but you received access to all this by being born into God's family, a privilege that cost you nothing. All the gifts were given to you for nothing, and the Bible makes no mention of the concept of repayment for all this. In fact, it makes it very clear, you cannot pay for it. Just as we don't expect our children to repay us what it costs to raise them. The Bible makes no mention of conditions on these privileges, so there is no work we must do to maintain them. 
And there is only really one appropriate response for all the, from the Christian towards God for all this that He has done for us. And we find it in 1 John 4.19, it says, We love Him because He first loved us. And I remember in my early years as a Christian that I understood mentally that God had done many things for me. But what really got me going, what really excited me and appealed to me about Christianity was truth versus error. Uh, The Bible was truth and anything opposed was error. And so most of my delight was in discovering truth and refuting error. Uh, and, And I guess that isn't necessarily a bad thing on its own. But as I got further down the road, the truth that really started to grab me was just the extent of what God had done for me in Jesus. Everything that Jesus had done. And and things started to shift then from, uh, I do this because it's right, because the Bible says so, to, well, well, I know this pleases God, and, and how could I not? after everything He's done for me, after everything He's shown me, after everything He's saved me from, after everything He's given me. Now, I can't pretend that I live in that that zone all the time. I'm not trying to pretend to be a spiritual giant, but when I am there, and when that is driving my motivations, that's a much better place for me and for you than where I started. And that's the point we want our children to get to where they do things for their family because of love and gratitude, not just because the family rules say that I have to. And brethren, that is the root of all true service in the family of God. I love you, Father. What can I do that will please you? Is the question that should be on the heart and the lips of every believer. And since having a child that I premeditated, who did nothing to deserve their family or citizenship, and considering the inevitability of their failures... Yet my planned desire to turn these things to their learning and being able to grasp how you can love someone who can do so little for you in return, I found that to be a great encouragement to me personally. If I feel that way towards my son and my daughters, then to realize that is exactly how God feels about me is a great, is a great comfort. And I trust it will be an encouragement to you also if you're here this morning and if you are a child of God. Now, if you are here this morning and you are not a child of God, then I must urge you to change that with all haste. It is very common for false religions to try to pretend that everybody is already a child of God. They will stand up before a mixed multitude of everyone and say, we are all the children of God. Isn't that wonderful? And the Bible makes it very clear that that is not the case. If we read our passage from this morning again, it clearly states who the children of God are. Look down and read with me. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Only those who have received the Spirit of God are His sons and His daughters. And if you keep reading the next verse, it describes a blessing of being a Christian. It says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The only alternative to being adopted into God's family is the spirit of bondage to fear. What that means is, as a Christian, when we get face to face with God, and everyone in this room will be face to face with God one day, we will be completely safe. It's, that is why we can, we can cry, Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic word. That, that it's a bit like our saying, Rather than saying father, it's like saying dad or daddy. It's a, it's a term of intimate family familiarity. 
And Christians can use that term with God. He is our Father when we are face to face with Him. But if you are here this morning and you are not a Christian, then when you are face to face with God, it it will not be family time. It will be a fearful time. He won't be Abba Father, but instead He will be your honour. God, the righteous judge. Now, God, he's not rejoicing in that. He's not rubbing his hands together in anticipation. Just wait until the day that you finally die so he can open that book wherein all your sins are recorded and he can throw you into that lake that burns for eternity. That's not something that brings God pleasurable anticipation. He says in the book of 2 Peter that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God was so determined that you should avoid punishment that he was willing to take on human flesh and die a miserable, brutal death on the cross to make a way for you to escape that judgment, to make a way for you to escape Satan's family. God has gone to the utmost lengths to make adoption into his family possible for you. And it can be had now. It can be completed this morning. All the privileges of being a child of God that I have recited this morning, they can all be yours. Before you leave this place, your sins can be forgiven and you can call God your Father. And it is no long, bureaucratic, complicated, expensive process like adoption is here in Australia. The Bible makes it very plain how you can be saved. In the book of Romans, God would say this to you. He would say, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you are here this morning and the Holy Spirit is pricking you in the heart and you know that what I am saying is the truth, then this is what God would have you to do. If you confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and the only one who can save you from your sins, and if you believe God in your heart that Jesus was raised again from the dead, then the Bible says you will be saved. Your every last sin will be blotted out. Your body will receive the Holy Spirit and you will become a child of God. You have nothing to lose but your sin and a certain judgment and you have every blessing to gain in this life and in the life to come. Don't wait another day to complete your adoption. Let today be the last day you spend in Satan's family. You say, well, well, how will I know that it's taken place? Uh, If it happened for me, well, look down at our passage one last time. In verse 16, we have this promise. The Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, lowercase, the Spirit in us, that we are the children of God. What this means is the Holy Spirit will confirm for you that you are one of God's children. And once that happens, verse 17 is yours to claim. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Today is the day to receive your adoption and to become an heir to eternal life. Only Jesus Christ can do this for you. Do not leave this place without putting your trust in him. I beg you, let's pray. We give you thanks, our Lord and our God, for this good day once more. Lord God, we we pray and ask for your your hand of protection and safety as we return home. But Lord, most of all, we pray for spiritual protection and safety. Lord, that those that do not know you today would change that. 
to go from their state of danger to a state of eternal security, we pray. Have mercy on the struggler, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.